Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek, and today, as always, I'm joined by uh, Brandon, my co-host. Brandon, how are you doing? Wonderful. I rewatched this movie, and I still enjoyed the movie. I will say that watching this for a second time, when I could rewind it and stuff, I could see outside of the sexism why some people were didn't like the movie a little bit um but i loved it and i thought that um leslie jones had a bigger role than i remember you know um, um, yes i i I was just about to say three three things one this movie fixes every issue that is in every other ghostbusters movie including the whole um will they remember us after we save the city thing because in the credits they show them going up to the the roof like six months after the events and everybody has put up in lights thank you ghostbusters uh leslie jones gets a like she shows up in the first 20 minutes of the film and has a part like she's in every single segment that the rest of them are in from that point forward. Um, Storyline talks about inclusivity and um, acceptance. There's no sexism. There's no there's nobody pushing up on somebody who's supposed to be their client. That they're sexually harassing. The movie's funny. Like breathtakingly funny at parts. Hmm? They were kind of pushing up on Chris Hemsworth. No, was, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kristen Wiig was pushing up on, on uh Chris Hemsworth and uh Melissa McCarthy was like, dude, you need to cut that out. We can get fired for that. <laughs> so somebody called her on it like immediately, and she was just like, I'm willing to risk it all. <laughs> <laughs> But she the fact he was ready for that dummy. But the fact that they literally spoke it, they said it like this is against the law. And she was still like, I'm still going for it. Unlike in the other Ghostbusters movies where Peter was just going for it and everybody else was like, it's just the way it is. That's his girlfriend now. I think those are two completely different circumstances, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um I will not hesitate in saying this um, after after giving it not a lot of thought, but enough thought. And and I think my 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 wife would agree with me on this. This is my favorite Ghostbusters movie. It's funny all the way through, all the way through. Kate McKinnon is hilarious. Like just see, the, I thought the opposite. I didn't I didn't get her character. It she, was her, she wasn't funny to me at all. What? The other three were funny to me. I thought Leslie and Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy were funny. I didn't get Kate McKinnon's character. It was just kind of weird to me. Her character was literally just nothing but... What was that movie? I think it was um, Pitch Perfect. There were all these girls who were like white girls who were singers or whatever. They're peppy and all that kind of stuff. And then there's this one brunette dark hair girl who looks like raven from uh teen titans who's just saying stuff under her breath like i i ate my 20 utero and all that kind of stuff 
that's what Kate McKinnon was to me in this movie. Like she got off so many one-liners that I just, it, it was just like, wait, what? What did she say right there? Um, I thought that she was tremendous. I did. I don't, I don't know. I understand, you know, if, if, if it didn't, if all her uh, stuff didn't land, because a lot of what they did in this movie was um, improvised. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, her stuff was dope. Like when uh, Agent Hawkins was like, do you have any idea how many federal regulations you're breaking on a daily basis? And she's like, one? And he says, no. And he sa- she says, two? And he says, no. And she says, is it one? Like that kind of stuff. Plus the fact that she was literally like the weapons in this movie, the, the proton packs in this movie were so much better. Yeah, I like the weapons. Like everything in this movie was just, and it's, it's, it's almost incredible to me how much better this movie can be made when it's not made by the boys club who made the first two movies. Like Ivan Reitman had nothing to do with writing this movie. As far as I know. Uh, let me check again before I let that run. Oh no, I take that back. Let me look at this. Hold on. Oh yeah, no, he had nothing to do with it. I I I, I was scared for a second, but Katie Dippold and Paul Fig and Paul Feige uh wrote this movie. And so it was based on Ivan Reitman's movie. That's why he showed up as in the writers. And I was like, wait, what? But it's just such a departure from like they used, they, they honestly tried to make this. Okay. So this movie would have been perfect if it wasn't for the guys who wanted to tear it down because it's Ghostbusters with women. And they tore it down so much they had to make it an alternate universe, but they made it into an alternate universe where the characters from the first Ghostbusters movie still showed up just in different type of roles. So like Peter Vinkman is now a debunker. Cab driver. No, oh, Dan no. Aykroyd was a was a cab Dan driver. Dan Aykroyd was the cab driver. Uh, Peter Vinkman is a, a debunker of ghosts. Like, he don't believe in no ghosts. Um, and then Winston, uh, Ernie Hudson, is he he's a funeral director and drives a hearse, and he's Leslie Jones' um, uncle. Mm-hmm. And... So this isn't your favorite Ghostbusters movie? No. I mean, I like the movie, but I didn't like this better than the first movie. Oh, man. But I I like the movie a lot. I just didn't get Kate McKinnon at all. Everything she said just kind of was dead for me. It was just took it out, took it out. Because it was so out of place. It was just like random comments. And I was just like, this looks like they're just trying to be funny, but it doesn't fit. The mm. other characters all fit. Like Leslie Jones, I think I lost. I remember when this came out, and people were like, "Why couldn't she be a scientist?" And I was like, "It fits better that she's not a scientist. It mm-hmm. makes more sense." And by you saying, "Why couldn't she be a scientist?" You're trying to shame her for being a ticket person at a, mm-hmm. at the subway. 
Like she was like her being there was fine. Yeah, obviously she wasn't smart in the sense of uh, science math ways, but she was smart in other ways, just like people are smart in other ways. Everybody isn't good at calculus. That don't mean you ain't smart. Like she knew other things that contributed to their success. So I thought Leslie Jones was great. I thought, I love Kristen Wiig. I'm a big fan of Kristen Wiig. So I pretty much like her and everything she does. Um, And she kind of played the straight role a little bit in this. Yes, um, she did. And (laughs) that was interesting to see, especially after watching Wonder Woman and how that bad movie, how great she was. As As Cheetah. As Cheetah. And then I like, I think Melissa McCarthy is funny with her physical humor. We don't get a lot of physical humor with men or women anymore. Like, we just don't. Like, there's no Chris Farley's anymore. Like, we don't get that type of person. And she's always that physical human person. So I really enjoyed that. But I thought I thought the story was very similar to the first one, um, which was fine with me. It, like it said, is. I it's very much. Movie. Yes. And I love, I thought Chris Hemsworth was amazing in this film. Yes, he uh, was. He kind of he stole the show. Just, how, just playing a dumb blonde, but in reverse. <laughs> he was the male dumb blonde. Um, and I thought that was kind of incredible. Um, but yeah, it was just the Kate McKinnon thing just took it down for me. Like, I just couldn't get every time she would say something, I'd just be like, all right, that's the one thing too awkward in this scene. And it wasn't like cringe awkward because I like cringe humor. You it do. was just kind of like, it was kind of like, to me, it was just like, why did she have to say that? Like, why is she there? I didn't I mean- understand why she was there. I mean, I it's thought to build that, the weapons. I I thought that she was like when they were um when they captured their first ghost at that concert, and she grabbed the dude's guitar and smashed it on the ground and just destroyed it, and then handed the piece back to her and she's like, "Sorry, I can't buy you another one." Like that is just, I feel like this is all just improvised, just brilliance. And I don't watch a lot of Saturday Night Live. Um, I never did, but I know I liked that, her on Saturday Night Live. I know that on there she was also just like the one who would get those type of jokes off. Like when um, Chris and Wig was when they were testing out the proton pack the first time, and she was like, "Why am I operating the untested n- nuclear laser?" And Kate McKinnon's like, "Because you have the longest arms." It's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I thought that everything that she, I don't know. Like when they're doing the videos, I mean, there's moments like when, when they're doing the first video inside of the mansion um, and the, the ghost comes out and projectile vomits on her, which is a lot like the, the library scene from the first movie. But um when the ghost comes out, she's videotaping everything and she's asking uh, Chris and Wig, ma'am, can you tell us how you found the world's tiniest bow tie? Like stuff like that, just like little asides. Like she's quirky. Like they want her to be this quirky uh, scientist who uh, does particle physics and listens to Elder Barge and <laughs> dances around with flamethrowers. I, I, I thought she was, I thought she was amazing. I thought they were all amazing, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I love I love this movie, but I I can see 
why that like I don't know that just she just took me out of it. But the rest of the movie I really enjoyed. I like how they updated. Well, obviously they were going to update the um, the special effects because of the time. Mm-hmm. So it was cool seeing updated special effects. I like I I liked kind of how they were the big like they they switched it up a little bit with like in the first movie. You know, nobody fucks with them because they out here saying that ghosts are real and nobody believes that shit. In this movie, it was not only are they out here saying ghosts are real, but also it's like these four women out here saying that ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I like that, like, because that's how it would be. Because um, if it was four men saying ghosts are real, people would roll their eyes. And then if it was four women saying that ghosts were real, people would really roll their eyes. Like, what the fuck? Like, what are y'all talking about? Uh, so I I enjoyed that. And then I liked how, you know, they did a very similar scene to, like, they it was a very close recreation because they did a scene very similar to that, uh, to the dinner scene mm-hmm. where the Ghostbusters roll in and they're all dressed in slime. And then this time, Kristen Wiig, just everybody's at dinner. And she's banging on the glass and stuff. <laughs> she's a scientist. She thinks those are doors. She thinks they're all doors. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I like I like the nods to the first one. Um, I, I think that one of the things, well, one of the things I just realized while I'm talking to you about this is that my copy of it, and I don't know how I got this movie. I don't. I don't remember if it was. I know that for a while Regal was doing a. You watch these three movies, you get the. Oh no, no! When I started Voodoo, when I started, when I first signed up for Voodoo back in like 2016, whatever. As a thanks, they let you choose five free movies, and one of the five free movies that I chose was the Ghostbusters remake, and it was the extended edition. So. The extended edition is the only one I've ever seen. I don't know how the regular edition looks. Like if there, what stuff gets added in that I missed. Oh, it's, it's, see, I didn't. When I rented it, I didn't know which one I should have bought. I just bought the. Ex, I, I just bought the regular edition. I told you I had it on Voodoo. Oh well, yeah. I just I wanted to watch it in uh, 4K. I have it in 4K on Voodoo. You got it in 4K on Voodoo. Oh. I I watched it in 4K but they had the extended version option and I didn't get it because I didn't know which one you were watching yep I got the extended version and I I never even thought about anything else because it was it's always it's it's been that way (laughs) like I don't know any other version of the movie what I do know is the hate that came out about this movie um even Dan Aykroyd, like all these man babies came out the woodworks to diss this movie and, and go to Rotten Tomatoes and and just tear it to pieces um, to the point where even Dan Aykroyd was like, the director spent too much on it. He spent scenes, he shot scenes that suggested and he we need to go back and reshoot him and it cost 30 to 40 million and reshoot so he'll never be back. And he's talking about Paul Feige, like, come on, dude. Then he finds out that the the reshoots weren't actually thirty to forty million dollars; they were like three million dollars. And he was like, "Oh, 
and he had to go on social media and apologize. And then he was like, it was a good movie and it had a really good cast. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like this movie is what could have been if they wrote the Ghostbusters to not be a showcase for Saturday Night... Well, even this one was a showcase for Saturday Night Live characters. And they still made it more. But we're also living in an era where they're now aware of inclusivity and, and, and doing things right. And there's a woman who was one of the writers. So that always helps. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the movie starts off with them, um, with a tour guide getting uh, attacked by a ghost, just like the library in the first movie. And so um, he gets trapped in the room with it and he screams and he cries. Uh, then we go to Kristen Wiig who is a professor who gets no respect, Dr. Aaron Gilbert at Columbia University. Um, she's approached by Ed Mulgrave, uh, who has a book that she wrote some years ago about the existence of ghosts. And she is not happy that it exists anymore. She's like, where'd you find that at? And he's like, it's on Amazon, ebook, regular book. <laughs> paperback she's like i didn't write that he's like is this your face on the back she's like that's, <laughs> that's a good picture <laughs> and so she goes um to see her former partner her former friend and colleague abby which is played by melissa mccarthy um but ed is like well i'm, I'm coming to see you because I have a ghost in this mansion that I work at and I need you to take care of it. You're the only person I know who would believe me. So um, she, at that point in time, she finds out from her Dean Harold Fillmore, who I thought was played by the guy who played Freddy Krueger or the guy who played, um, oh man, Game of Thrones, the dad who dies on the toilet. Oh, Tyrion. Uh, uh, I thought he played Tyrion's Tywin. dad. Tywin Lannister. Yeah, I thought he played. He looked just like him to me. I don't know if that's still him. I'm going to have to look him up. But um, Aaron finds Abby in the lab working with Jillian Holtzman, who's Kate McKinnon. Um, Aaron and Abby still aren't talking to one another because they fell out after the book came out. Um, and at this point in time, Abby gets delivered some wonton soup from a Chinese food restaurant that she frequents. And they give her what looks like dishwater with one wonton in it and one shrimp. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm going to laugh a lot just thinking about this shit. <laughs> Aaron is like, well, this dude gave me the book. And she's like, yeah, I made the book. And she's like, yeah, the dude gave me the book and told me that uh, he works at a place where there might be ghosts. And Aaron and um, Jillian, or Abby and Jillian are like, let's go. And they run for the door. They grab their uh, EKG, or e EKG? Yeah, EKG meters. And um, they run for the door. And they look at 
they look at Aaron and they're like, come on, let's go, let's go. And she's like, I am not going with y'all to that, to that mansion. I don't care about the mansion. And Abby is like, we're not asking you to come with us. You're not coming with us, obviously. We just need you to get out of our lab so we can lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. And so she, she leaves with them. And that's when they see the ghost in the um the ghost in the mansion. It's this beautiful, they say, ghost, a, a ghost woman who's floating through, kind of like again, the old woman in the library, old woman goes in the library, and it floats over to um Aaron. And she's like, it's so beautiful. And then it opened his mouth and projectile vomit slime all over yeah. her. <laughs> it was like a violent projection, too. <laughs> and she's this like, a lot. She's like, it got everywhere. It got in every crack. <laughs> and so they run out the house after she projectile vomits on her. And they're still getting video that, uh, that Jillian's getting. And Aaron is freaking out on camera. We saw a ghost. Ghosts are real. I saw a ghost. It really happened. I saw a ghost. And the next thing you see is the dean of the school who just said she that she's on her way to get tenure. Watching this video with her because it's on YouTube. And he's like, yeah, when we give tenure, she's like, I got tenure. And the next thing you see is her carrying her box <laughs> with her plaques and her flowers and her everything in it. Her boyfriend who works at the school won't even look at her. She's like trying to talk to him as, as she walks down the hallway um, into um, back out to the, you know, the street. She's telling the students, yeah, you know, um, I'm not fired. They just found mold in my office. No, I'm not fired. Sometimes I just like to pack all myself into a box and lift weights. <laughs> hey, look, there's my boy. Oh, you can't see me? Oh, you're looking at that, 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 that paper? I don't understand what it says either. When you figure that out, give me a call. And so she leaves and she um, decides to join um, Abby and Holtzman in their research. And Abby and Holtzman are like, yeah, you can come work with us. Don't even worry. Our uh, dean doesn't even, you know, they don't care what we do. They support everything we do. They'll give us more money. Come on. And they go. So <laughs> they talk don't, to the he dean. didn't even remember what the fuck was going on. Dean was like, I forgot we gave y'all a department. <laughs> was like, who the fuck are y'all? And she was like, you spell science with a Y. You, you're not a real dean. You're only the dean because the first dean went to college. Are you? You're only a dean because the first dean went to jail. And he flicks them off and throws them out, so they steal all the equipment. And he was like, "Hey, bring back that useless junk that belongs to the school." And they take off running. Um, the next thing that we see is Leslie Jones again, like 20 minutes into the movie. It's incredible, like. I didn't expect this. It might've been even earlier than that in the non-extended version. I, I didn't expect this. Um, but she's working as an MTA worker, which again, makes sense that she's in this role because they need somebody who can discuss like all of, the way that it works out in this movie is that she's the one who knows New York like the back of her hand. 
She knows mm-hmm. the underground. She knows all the subway. She knows all the history of New York. Like it's necessary. It makes sense in this movie. They also have it where she just, they're talking. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but she's approached by a guy named Rowan North, who's a weird guy who's talking about a fourth cataclysm. And Patty's like, yeah, you're, you're that crazy dude on the, on the subway that everybody talks about. Bye, crazy guy. And he, as she watches him, he walks onto the subway tracks. So she has to try and get him out. Like she goes and follows him. And while she's following him, she sees this mechanism that he's stuck to the wall. Um, and then she looks up and she sees a ghost in an electric chair. Um, and she freaks out and she takes off um, and she runs like hell. Aaron, Abby, and Holtzman have decided to find a place to open up their business. They go to the firehouse that the original Ghostbusters were living out of. And they're like, look at this, there's poles, and they're pole dancing on and everything. Look at this, and they're all happy. And uh Aaron asks the realtor, we'll t- we'll she tells the realtor, we'll take it. And the realtor's like, cool, it's the rent is twenty-one thousand dollars. And Aaron's <laughs> like, suck my dick. <laughs> so they move into the uh office above the Chinese food restaurant that that Abby frequents all the time and even moving into the office above the Chinese food restaurant it still takes a Chinese food delivery guy an hour <laughs> to bring her some wonton soup and now it has no shrimp in it and two wontons and a water chestnut oh god I love this movie so much um they are calling themselves the department of metaphysical examination and they are talking amongst themselves and that's when kevin shows up kevin is applying for the job of secretary or receptionist for the job um and he abby's like yes we also he does computer work and he does logos so he shows them the logos. Now I gotta ask, this was all on the regular movie, right? Yeah, this was on it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the first logo he has, and I swear they knew what they were doing with all of this movie. Because everything they, they do in this movie, at some point it seems to be a wink towards the men who got so mad about this movie. The first logo he made was a ghost with tits. <laughs> and they were like, um. we don't need that and he was like oh you want the tits to be bigger i can make them bigger for you and they're like no let's see what the next one is and the next one is literally the logo for 7-eleven you know but he called it something else he said said, this is this is for 711 if you have an emergency you can call 711 and it's supposed to be 911 and it's the logo for 7-eleven and i fell out and they're like that's already taken so the next one he has is just a picture of a hot dog and a, and, a, and a picture of a house. Like, they're not even together. It's just a hot dog on top and then a, a house. And he's like, well, it's a ghost holding a hot dog, haunting a house. 
And they're like, oh, okay. And Kevin's wearing glasses. And at one point he reaches through the glasses and rubs his eye because he doesn't have any lenses in his glasses. And so Abby's like, what? what's with the glasses? I got to ask, why don't you have lenses in the glasses? And he was like, because they get dirty. And it's easier this way. She was like, oh, okay. And he was like, I need to ask if I that can bring- That was so weird. She, he was like, I need to ask if I can bring Mike Hat in to work with he, me. This was the ridiculous. And she was like, well, I'm allergic to cats, so um, I don't think you could bring him in. And meanwhile, uh, Aaron is, is literally sexually harassing him the whole time. She's like, the first thing we need to ask you is, are you seeing someone? Abby's like, no, that's not the first thing we need to ask you because that's illegal. But he's like, she's like, um, Abby's like, yeah, I'm allergic to cats. And Kevin's like, cat. And she's like, yeah, you said my cat. And he said, no, my cat is a dog. <laughs> I named him my cat. I named him my cat. And so Aaron is like, oh, so your dog's name is Michael Hat. And he said, yes, my cat. Worst receptionist ever, by the way. Does not answer the phone when it's ringing right next to him. Just looks at it. He, picks it up. The folks yeah, start talking stupid. to him. He hangs up on him. <laughs> I don't want any part of that. What are you saying, Brandon? Sorry. Yeah, he's stupid. He's a dumb blonde. He's a incredibly dumb blonde. But they hired him on the spot because they ain't got nobody else. Um, and then after that, Patty shows up. And says that there's a ghost in the subway tunnels. And she's giving them a history of the subway tunnels and everything. Um, and Holtzman brings along some equipment that she built to catch the ghost. Um, and they see the same ghost that Patty saw earlier hovering, hovering above them. Um, they recorded with their cameras while Aaron's giving a proton laser. This is the point where she's like, why do I have to hold the unstable nuclear equipment? And Jillian's like, because you have the longest arms. And everything Jillian says, she was supposed to be the Egon of the group. So everything she said is completely deadpan um, with just like this wry smile. Like, I, I think Kate was great in this movie. Um, but the uh, shot that the laser isn't strong enough to hold the ghost down and a train is coming. And the ghost is getting more and more animated and coming at them. So they run the safety as the train, it's an express train, so it's not going to stop. They run the safety and the train hits the ghost and the ghost explodes in the ectoplasm as it gets stuck on the train. And I was like, how does that work? So is the ghost like there? Like, like you could touch it because it just got hit by a train and now it's on the train going to Queens. And, and Patty was like, that's the third weirdest thing that's going to be on that train. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but the, the video of the ghost goes viral. Um, and they the media starts calling them the Ghostbusters. And every time they say Ghostbusters, Aaron's like the Department of Metaphysical Examination. <laughs> guys are all in their comments saying this is fake this is stupid and abby is in the comments writing back to her like meet me outside <laughs> um they find the media finds the debunker martin heist who is played by bill murray 
and he goes on record to dismiss the subway ghost. Um, Patty, as they're talking about Martin Heist, and they're talking about the uh, comments that they're getting from this video, Patty goes, <clears throat> and they turn around and see her just sitting in a chair <laughs> in the quarter, and Kevin's like, oh yeah, you, you gotta, <laughs> somebody's here to see you. She's been sitting here this whole time. She's right there in the chair. And they're like, thank you, Kevin. He's like, I got to go to a hide-and-seek tournament. <laughs> My team and I are in the semifinals. And he just walks off and just leaves. Um, but she's like, I want to I wanna work with y'all. You know, I know the city. I, can, I know how to get around the city. And also, if y'all take me in, I can provide y'all with a car uh, for carrying equipment. And it's a hearse, which... Holtzman thinks is incredible. Um, and so, again, that's the Ecto-1. Um, Holtzman takes them all out back and shows off some new equipment she's made, which is a laser gun, a grenade, a proton glove, and she's working like on a shotgun. Right? Oh, and a chopper. A vacuum chopper. And so they're all working. They the sprayed that on that random man, though. Yeah, yeah. They're they're they also blew up the uh, delivery guy's motorcycle, and they're testing everything in the back. And it you know it's it's cool and it's their bonding moment. They get um called to investigate a ghost at a musical theater. Uh, Rowan is seen planting another one of his cataclysmic devices in the in the theater as he walks through. It turns out that Rowan has figured out a way to break the barrier between the world of the living and the world of the dead. Um, he's a guy who's been maligned and teased because he's smart and he's nerdy. And so he was bullied his whole life. And so he just like um, the girl from Teen Witch decides to go from being bullied to being the bully. Mm-hmm. And so he's setting up a machine that's going to help him break that barrier. Uh, he sets up, what he does is he sets up devices in separate areas that's going to cause a vortex that will break the barrier. So he sets up one at this musical, at this uh, rock concert. Um, and the ladies go, the Ghostbusters go to investigate it. And Abby's PKE uh, goes off near the dressing rooms um, or yeah, and Patty is walking by herself and she peeks into a room full of uh, mannequins. She's like, nope, nope, not going in there. I ain't dying in there, not today, Jesus. And so she walks back out and one of the mannequins chases her down. And so they hit the mannequin with their proton lasers, which unleashed a huge dragon flying monster. And yeah, I they, like this. I like this ghost. Although yeah. they... They never explain after the first movie because the first movie, most of the ghosts were like dead people mm -hmm. or people adjacent. And then after the first movie, the second movie, and then the Ghostbusters 2, and then this movie, it's like random like things and, yeah. <laughs> and entities. And I was just like, oh, so they got dragon ghosts now. Well, I the way I looked at it is that after the cartoon broke the mold of what uh, ghosts would be, what, what ghosts could be. 
because I know that um, Melissa McCarthy said that she started watching um, that she never saw the, the first two Ghostbusters. She actually, the first thing she saw was the real Ghostbusters cartoon. That's how she fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just the, the for, after the cartoon, all of a sudden, Winston didn't have his beard anymore. And Janice's hair was red. Um, and so I think that the ghosts that they had became more fanciful as to not scare the children. Because ghosts of people, they considered to be scarier. But a ghost of a flying dragon? Kids like dragons. You know, they're not going to be scared of it. And it's a PG-13 movie, so we can't well, scare the kids. A mean-looking dragon. But it wasn't. It Those dragons it, on Game of Thrones were scary. Yes. Now, those would be... And if it actually blew fire or anything, yes, Definitely. <laughs> but I think that that was it. I think they were making it more appealing to the children who were going to see this movie. Um, the ghost flies out onto the stage uh, where a band called Beasts of Mayhem are performing, and they point at the ghost, and they're like, our musical power has summoned Satan! And the ghost knocks the lead singer into a box, into a whole bunch of boxes that fall on him. They come out, and they start shooting at the ghost, and the director of the musical, the, the concert hall is like, this art is Art Deco. So they immediately shoot the Art Deco, making it explode. And he screams, and it's a high-pitched scream. And he's like, I've been told I have a really startling scream. Um, they decide to spread out into an X so they could trap the ghosts in between them. And so the crowd won't move out the way. So uh, Abby crowd surfs out to the spot she needs to be at. And, and then uh, they drop Leslie. Patty, Patty <laughs> is like, I'm a, I'm coming, y'all. Don't move. I'm coming. And she jumps, and they literally move out the way. <laughs> and she falls, and she's like, I don't know if it's because I'm black or I'm a woman, but that was fucked up. And they get into their spots and everything, and they're about to shoot at the ghost, but the ghost disappears. And then... As Patty gets up off the ground, um, the ghost is perched on her shoulders. And they're like, Patty, don't move. And she's like, don't say nothing. Don't say a thing. Don't say a thing. And they're like, Patty, and she's like, don't say nothing. Don't say a thing. I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to go home. I'm not trying to do nothing to anger this ghost that's on my shoulders. Don't say nothing. Don't touch me. And so she's tiptoeing out with this ghost literally perched on her shoulders like a, like a parrot. It's like a giant parrot getting the piggyback ride. I'm sorry. Can she I, feel the ghost? That's another question. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is what is the rules in this movie? Because, again, when a ghost gets hit by a train, there shouldn't be anything that happens to the ghost, but it explodes in the ectoplasm, and she can feel like she knows without even looking up, because she doesn't look up, that there's a ghost on her shoulders. How does she know that? And Slimer drives the car again. With a wife. And four kids in the back. I I guess that means the ghost fell in love. Tangible tangible and intangible. Mm Mm-hmm. And so um, 
After Patty stands still, they hit it with the lasers, and Patty jumps out and was like, take this too, and they all shoot it. Um, Holtzman pulls out the trap, and the ghosts get sucked into it. And Ozzy Osbourne is like, this reminds me so much of something we did back in 64. Um, no, in 84, I'm sorry. Uh, the Black Sabbath did the same thing in 84, and the team uh, celebrates, you know, and water celebrating, Abby and Aaron discuss how they uh, met up in school because they were both nerds. Um, and how Aaron mentions how when she uh, was a child, the ghost of her dead neighbor, her mean dead neighbor, would stand at the foot of her bed every day for a year. And when she told her parents, nobody believed her. And so at this point in time, Martin Heist shows up at their place to see the ghost that they captured uh, from the concert. And he's so just, <sighs> he's so rude about it. Um, and, and just so, uh, what's the word for it? He's so condescending to them that Aaron gets mad and she's like, you know what? If he wants to see it, I'm gonna let him see it. And Abby's like, that's not a good idea. And she's like, you know what? He wants to see it. I'm gonna let him have it. And so she opens up the trap and the dragon ghost flies out and picks this motherfucker up and flies through the window and drops him out of a two-story window and he dies. And then it just escapes into the city. And at this point in time, Omar and the dude from Veep show up. Um, I need to watch Veep. Everybody tells me that's great. It's such a good show. Like if we do a comedy for Rich, Julie, if we Dreyfus. if we do a show for Return to Oswald, that's what I that's what I vote. That's my vote is Veep. I loved Veep. I thought it was incredible all the way through. Yeah, I need to watch Veep because I love her. Veep and oh, when I called you yesterday, what I was calling you for was to say we also need to watch Playmakers. Oh fuck no! Yes. Hold on. Are you talking about Playmakers? Yes, I am. ESPN. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. We have to watch Playmakers at some juncture. We might as well do that now. Then that's because it was only like one season. It's one season. I was thinking the same thing. Like as a um. As an ambiance cracker, I was thinking the same thing. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Playmakers. God yes. damn, I forgot about that. Yes. I have oh. it right here on, on DVD. So, yes, that's going down. Um, DH. <laughs> but they take uh, the Ghostbusters to see the, the mayor and his assistant, Jennifer Lynch. Um, and in the first movies, the mayor was like, I don't believe in the Ghostbusters. Walter Peck will be like, I don't believe in the ghosts. In this movie, they're like, we fully believe in ghosts. Thank you so much for capturing the ghosts. But we're going to act like y'all are crazy as to not cause a panic in the city. So y'all got to go. But we thank you for what you did. And we see you. We see you with our eyes. But at the same time, get the fuck out. And so then they get alerted to a new ghost that's in the uh, city. And um, that's when Aaron realized there's a pattern to all the appearances. It's discovered that all the devices found are along ley lines that intersect with the Mercado, which is where uh, Rowan works. 
they find a picture of the staff and Patty recognizes Rowan amongst them because he's the fourth cataclysmic guy and she recognized him as their guy. The team heads to the hotel and finds Rowan in the basement. Like when they get there, actually, when they get there, Janine from the Ghostbusters, Annie Potts is working as the manager of the um, of the hotel. She's there as Vanessa. Um, and she tells him, look, we got this guy, the, the janitor. He works in the basement because apparently they call him up and they're like, yeah, there's been like this violent blow up of massive destructions in a toilet here on the third floor come clean it and he's like it would be my pleasure so they all think he's weird already and she's like he's in the basement doing weird stuff please let what him was know that he's dude's fired. name rowan. what's that dude's name a real name in real life oh rowan's name yeah um rowan's name in real life is hold on one second neil casey no i thought it was something else Mm-mm. that dude always plays a weird person yeah, he got typecast pretty quickly. Yeah, he always plays that same type of weird person. And so um, Rowan tells them that he plans to release a horde of ghosts upon the city as payback for being constantly mistreated. Abby tries to convince him to stop his plans. And and Ultimate is like, he's so cute. <laughs> he's really cute. Like, why are all the smart, cute ones the bad guys? Um, which I I felt. I felt that, like, if you had just the reason why I felt that statement was because there are all of these guys out there. Let's say, yeah, yeah. For this one, I'm going to say black guys, but there's all these black guys out there who are like, when I was in high school, girls didn't like me because I liked anime and I did this and I did that. And then you got all these women who are like, you know what? I liked anime too. And you didn't want to see me because you were only attracted to this sort of person. And so you can miss me with that. And so when Rowan is here talking about uh, everybody mistreated me and nobody liked me at the same time that Holtzman is standing there, like he's so cute. There's somebody for everybody. It's just that these men didn't want to go through the effort and the pain of finding their own tribe. They wanted to keep punching at the door of the tribe who didn't want to let them in until they finally relented and let them in. And when they didn't let them in, they were like, all right, we're burning this whole place down. I don't know if they wrote it to be that way, but it hit me that way. You know what I'm saying? Just the, mm-hmm. the he's totally oblivious. Like even at this point before the ghosts get let out, he has a woman who's standing here like he's so cute and he could have saw that and shut down the whole thing and they could have fallen in love there could have been a way because she was nutty too well not nutty but she was you know on the weirder spec on the weirder side too they could have found something in each other but instead he's so gripped up in his perceived loneliness and hate and, and angst that he electrocutes himself because they said the police were on the way. And he's like, well, my time here is done. And the basement is then closed off. Um, but the specter, the, the the EKG or the whatever it is, the ecto, yeah, it's an EKG, right? Or baby, EKG is doctor, right? Or was the EKG the, the Ghostbusters? E, EKG is not ectocardiogram. So yeah, yeah, right. So was it, was it EPG for the Ghostbusters? I don't know. 
Brandon, which one is it? Is it is it is it the detective? EKG is it EKG the thing for your heart? That's what I that, yes, that's what Nietzsche just told me. I've been saying that this whole time. Now I got to see what it's called in Ghostbusters. E, it's an EKG, EKG meter, PKE meter, a PKE meter. Sorry, PKE, EKG. I knew it was three let I knew it was three letters. PKE meter after they leave the basement, it starts going haywire. And at home, uh Aaron finds out that Rowan uh had their book and used it to build a machine that was exactly like the machines that they're building. All of the training and all of the stuff that he ever got came from their book. So again, let's keep looking at this as Men who are hating, who are literally making enemies out of the people that they are uh, learning from. Women as a whole, you know. Um, and so they see that he's always planning to electrocute himself so he can become a ghost and eventually bring about the fourth cataclysm to lead the ghost and terrorize the world. While she's at headquarters, Abby hears a knocking at the door, but there's no one there. Um, she sees a green glow in the sink drain in the bathroom and Rowan's ghost then possesses Abby. Uh, she goes downstairs and starts breaking Holtman's equipment and Holtman's like, yeah, that's a pipe. I found that. <laughs> I was going to use it for the shotgun that I was making. And she picks up the pipe and starts breaking all the equipment and grabs Holtman by the throat to dangle her out of a window. Uh, Patty intervenes and rescues Holtman before smacking Rowan out of Abby and then smacking her up again just to be safe. <laughs> Why are you hitting me? And, um, at that very same moment, Kevin shows up on his motorcycle and Rowan possesses him. So he rides back off to the uh, hotel. And this is the part where Aaron runs to the restaurant where she finds Mayor Bradley and Lynch eating. And she's pounding on the windows like like uh, Lewis was pounding on the windows in Ghostbusters when he got possessed by the demon dogs. And um, the assistant is like, she thinks that that's a door. She thinks they're all doors. This is just so... She thinks it's a sliding door. That's sad because she's a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene. This is, one of my, this is probably my favorite scene in the movie. And she comes in finally through the real door. She's trying to convince them that they need to evacuate the city. And the mayor is like, do not say that word. You do not get to say the E word. And she's like, well, do you want to, do you want to end up like the mayor from Jaws? And he was like, I am not the mayor from Jaws. That kind of hit a, that hit a, hit a, hit a chord with him. I've never seen Jaws before, but just like that, I know what the mayor from Jaws did. Um, do not compare me to the mayor from Jaws. And so they, his security finally shows up and pulls her away, but she rips the, <laughs> she's holding on so hard, she pulls the tablecloth off the table and all her food falls to the floor. Um, Rowan in Kevin's body makes it to the hotel basement, and he literally, Thor, beats up these two guys. Like, he lifts them off the ground into the ceiling with one hand, and he, like, punches the other one, and he's like, this is why I should have worked out when I was alive. Um, he comes in and breaks the barriers that are keeping the ghost trap. Um, and a portal opens in the sky, releasing more and more ghosts into the city. And at this point in time, Aaron 
is run walking like like a white woman who's about to tell on somebody in the movie theater run walking down the street when a cab pulls up and she's like can you take me here and the cabbie is dan Aykroyd, and he's like he looks over and he sees a ghost and he's like that looks like a class five and she's like yeah can you take me here so i can get it taken care of and he was like no that's chinatown i don't go to no chinatown and i don't believe in no ghosts and he takes off but he knows what a class five is which means i think that that was actually you know right mm-hmm. and he's just really really like i think that everybody in this movie just changed their name and were really really salty about the way things turned out um abby holtzman and patty gear up and they they head off to fight the ghost and they run into slimer um eating from a hot dog cart and he steals the ecto-1 and drives off Abby and Patty get ready to shoot at the car, but then Holtzman is like, y'all shouldn't do that because I kind of attached equipment to the top of the car that's more or less a nuke. And they're like, why'd you attach a nuke to the top of the car? And she was like, to charge up the... She fixed that car up really quick. Like gangster. So they spot a bunch of ghosts that look like giant parade floats, and they start popping them with the proton packs. And one of them is the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Again, if this is the alternate reality, which people kept trying to claim, and what which Ivan Reitman and his his son claimed when they made this new Afterlife Ghostbusters, if this is an alternate reality, why is so much stuff still tying into the first universe? In an alternate reality, they wouldn't have known about the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, being such a prominent part of the first Ghostbuster situation. They the mm-hmm. the cab driver that, wouldn't that have known weird. what a Class Five was because nobody yeah, would have believed it goes. Yeah, that was really weird. So for I don't know why to... the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was there, why he was a parade, a balloon in the parade, or yeah, whatever. Exactly. And even if it was, you know, he's still the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man that everybody remembers as being all happy and jolly and stuff. They possess it in this movie, and that's still a connection to the other movies. But they shoot the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, but it falls on them and presses down the three, rendering them immobile. <laughs> Earlier in the movie, when Aaron was unable to shoot the uh, proton uh, pack, Holtzman gave her a Swiss army knife <laughs> and Aaron was like, Oh, is this something special? And she was like, no, it's just a Swiss army knife, but you know, a woman needs to be safe at all times. And so now with the, uh, stay Mar- marshmallow man falling on the three of them and crushing them, she just stabs it with the Swiss army knife and it explodes saving them. Uh, then they face off against a, a whole bunch of ghosts and they literally light them up with, the new weapons that Holtzman has made. Like, this is a dope scene as far as I'm concerned. Like, great action. They came through with pistols and shotguns and the cutters and the the the, the proton glove. And I wish they'd make a sequel out of this movie. Then the Ghostbusters head to the hotel to find uh, Kevin, still possessed, uh, having frozen the police and the military. Before this happens in the extended version, I don't know about the regular version. I'm going to keep saying that. 
Kevin makes them all dance to um, disco music. Or Rowan makes them all dance to disco mm-hmm. music. Okay. And then he freezes them all in place. Um, Rowan leaves Kevin's body and decides, do y'all want me to take a more pleasant, nice visage? And uh, Patty was like, yes, that would be nice. And so he turns into the more friendly form of the Ghostbusters logo, which when they were in the subway <laughs> earlier. Um, Somebody, some random dude drew it on the wall. Yeah, he was like, you, they were like, have you seen a ghost? And he was like, yeah, I can draw it for you. And he starts spray painting it on the wall. And Patty's like, y'all think this is funny, but I got to clean this up. And it turned out to be the Ghostbusters logo. And Holtzman takes a picture of it. Well, Rowan turns into the Ghostbusters logo. And he's like, is this good for y'all? Is this pretty? Is this what you want to see? And then he turned into this huge beast that bursts out of the hotel and starts uh, just destroying the city. Um, Slimer and his wife and other ghosts are now joyriding up and down the block, probably listening to uh, Young Jeezy talking about when they were alive, they were the man in these streets. And... um, the team gets the idea to hit the Ecto-1's nuclear, nuclear reactor. Um, and it'll fall into a portal that, again, Rowan has created. It'll fall into a portal and make and reverse it and eventually close it and turn into a giant ghost trap. So they fired their lasers at poles. So then Slimer, who's, who's got bars behind the steering wheel, I'm going to give him credit for that because he's driving a hearse and he's whipping it around these poles that they're causing to fall into the streets, that they're guiding him to this portal. And so when it when he gets to the portal, they shoot it and the plan works. They hit the reactor, the plan works and the ghosts are getting pulled back into the portal and Brownman holds on to two buildings. Uh, so the team hits him in the dick with their lasers to loosen his grip and he starts to get sucked in, but then he grabs Abby and pulls her into the portal. So Aaron hooks herself up to a wire and jumps into the portal. And she fires at Rowan's hand to release Abby while he's pulled into the abyss, which really was a green lake. It was a lake of ecto, um, ecto cooler. I got thirsty. I miss ecto cooler. Shout out to High C. I, I remember that being good, but I can't remember what it tastes like. It was green. That ta- it was, it was just, it was, it was the, juice version of red velvet cake because it was their orange high C, but they dyed it green. Oh, that's all it was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, nothing special, but it was great because high C orange is great, which is why I was so happy when they finally brought it back to McDonald's. I don't even yeah, eat I a McDonald's just, on, just to get the... Yeah, same thing. Yep. I just go get high C orange. I if, love it. When, when Gogo and I... Uh, Back in the day, we used to get together and just go to McDonald's and order their large fry and a high seat orange to just sit there and talk. It was dope. Um, but when she, I worked at Disney World, when I did an internship at Disney World, they used to have a McDonald's fry stand. Really? They only sold McDonald's fries, and it was delicious. That is nothing else. They don't have that anymore. They used to have a. a a place in Disney World that only sold McDonald's fries, like nothing else, just the fry stand. I wonder how that would have worked out. Like, who? How did they pay McDonald's for that? Like, did McDonald's so, drop them off like Krispy Kremes? They were amazing because they were always hot because they were constantly getting dropped. They were right, just like nothing's better than hot McDonald's fries. I beg to differ, good sir. There are a lot of things better than McDonald's. 
fries. Um, Not fries. As much as much as I hate to say it, I well, I found a place that makes Chick Fil A type waffle fries. They ain't better than McDonald's fries. And then I also like to point at Jack in the Box's curly fries. They ain't never hot. That is true. They aren't ever hot. <laughs> you can watch them make them when they come out cold. But that's they why I got an hot. air fryer. Just warm them suckers back up. That's true. Um, but Abby and Holtzman or uh, Abby and Aaron are Aaron saves Abby and Holtzman and Patty pull the two out and they can return with totally bleached white hair. Um, afterwards, Mayor Bradley and his uh, aide come to him and they're like, thank you so much for saving us. We really do appreciate y'all saving the city. This is wonderful. Um, what we're going to do right here is we're going to fake arrest you. This sort of thing, you know, we could tell folks that this wasn't a big thing and no chaos breaks out, but we really do appreciate everything that y'all have done for us. Um, so if you will, if you'll just walk over here real quick, they're going to fake arrest you now. Just remember, it's a fake arrest. You're not really under <laughs> arrest, but we're fake arresting you. Okay. You ready? You ready? Go. And they, and Omar and the guy from Veep come out and cuff them up and take them out the door while the mayor's like, yeah, this is all just a big farce. And they're like, so, um, you're saying that everybody was high on drugs and the mayor's like, yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's that's precisely what happened. After they save everybody, before I get to that part, um, after they save everybody, we find out that uh, Kevin's okay. And Kevin's like, yeah, we saved everything. And they're like, Kevin, do you not remember what happened? He was like, yeah, I became a Ghostbuster and I came down. <laughs> and, and I saved y'all. I saved y'all. <laughs> and then he said he went to the deli and got a sandwich in the middle and, of it. And they slapped the sandwich out of his hand and he holds up his hand and it returns to his hand like like Molnir. <laughs> like Mjolnir from Thor. And they slapped the sandwich out of his hand again and it comes back to his hand again. And he's like, I'll take a beverage and somebody throws him a water. <laughs> oh God, it's the little moments to me. Um but yeah, he's talking about I walked over to that power box and I turned around and I saved everybody. Um, and they're they're like, while we were um, saving the world, you went to get a sandwich. And he's like, yeah, don't be mad about, it. you know, potatoes, tomatoes, it's all the same thing. That's what friends are for. And everybody laughs at him and everything. And they all put their hands in and she and Aaron's like, yeah, you can hold my hands longer. And they're all like, you know what? Um, yeah, we'll take you. We'll, we'll take you just fine. And he's like, yeah, I love your hair like that. Your white hair like that. It makes you look so much older. And so Abby's about to punch him. But instead, she just takes a sandwich and throws it. And that's when they have the sandwich throwing uh, incident. <laughs> um, and then I really enjoyed this film. I, I love this film. Hold on one second. Damn it. That was after the rock concert where they said that they uh that she admits that they saved all of them and that she was so grateful. Um, but I'm still gonna have to arrest you. At at the end of the movie, um the mayor is still denying that anything happened. 
And they're like, yeah. Um, so you're saying that everybody was drugged up? And he's like, yes, they were all on dope. And um, th- there was nothing that actually happened. But it, this is what happened right after the rock concert. Out there that loved your work. Why am I so flattered that that weird little sociopath bought her book? Oh, thank you for everything you did. You saved us all. The mayor thanks you, of course, privately, so don't tell anyone. Um, can I walk you out? Well, why, why don't you all go get some rest? These gentlemen here will get you out of here, okay? Oh, thank you. That's very nice. Oh, right. Thanks for all you've done, ladies. Thank you very much. I just have to say a couple things to the press. You know how that goes. So we just are going to fake arrest you now. Oh, and we towed your car. Uh, real tow, not fake tow. What's that? What? Wait, why? Ow. Stop Excuse resisting. Me. I'm not in you. Everything is fine. It was just another publicity stunt by these incredibly sad and lonely women. It's like they read Eat, Pray, Love and just ran with it. <laughs> so at the end, um, the mayor is still denying that anything happened, uh, but he privately helps to fund a new building for them to uh, reside in, um, which is the firehouse. So that's dope. I had a muffin, thanks. Oh my God. Are you a wizard? In the aftermath of the events, authorities are still trying to understand what happened in Times Square and throughout the city. I saw pilgrims, ghost pilgrims. So you're honestly gonna stand here and tell me that we didn't all see ghosts, that what actually happened was that terrorists drugged all of the water with yes. hallucinogens. Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I, with the government trying to claim the event wasn't supernatural, despite so many eyewitness accounts to the contrary, the big question is, was it the four women who refer to themselves as ghostbusters who actually thwarted the attack? We may never know. Well, now we know how Batman feels. <laughs> You know what? You don't have to keep fiddling with it. I, I think it I think it looks nice, right? I'd talk to you at an AA meeting. <laughs> it's my fault anyway. The box said the color was called Garfield. Oh. It wasn't even the cat. It was the president. Oh. It was part of the dead president's color collection. You stay away from Taft. That's my mother's color. Mm. I don't want to see that on anyone's head. <laughs> Mine was a woman with a secret. And she was kind of going, and then she appeared to be in a canoe. You know, when I want to make a toast. No. Oh. Uh-oh. Here Uh-oh. we go. Here we go. Physics is the study of the movement of uh, bodies in space, and it can unlock the mysteries of the universe, but it cannot answer the essential question of what is our purpose here. And to me, the purpose of life is to love, and to love is what you have shown me. I didn't think that I would ever really have a friend until I met Abby, and then I feel like I have a family of my own, and I love you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, that was like yeah, a real was, thing right I, there. That was like so real. <laughs> Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> oh, we want to thank you for your discretion. It's not working at all, but thank you. <laughs> Actually, we'd like you to continue to study this subject, fully funded. You know, we need to be better prepared, just in yeah. case. Yes, that's smart. Whatever you need going forward. Anything at all. Anything? Anything. So that's when they get the, um, the firehouse, and that's also when... 
Patty's uncle shows up looking for his hearse. And she's like, Unc, I told you, it, it fell into the portal between the living and the dead. It's gone now, and, and it's Winston Zettermore. And then he comes out and he's arguing. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the movie. Also, in the credits, they talk about who's... At the end of this movie, they literally thought there was going to be a sequel. They thought. they. I, I believe that they had something on the horizon as far as a sequel. And I think they thought that it was going to be a, a good movie as well. They just didn't expect the um, reaction to mm. their excellence by all of these online haters and, and, and guys and whatnot, because this the after credit scene. Um, the after credit scene is them listening again to the PKG me, are listening and they uh, say, hey guys, who is Zool? And that's Zool was from the first movie, right? Yes. Zool was the oh. person that they destroyed in the very first movie, or the, the demon that they destroyed in the very first movie. And in the sequel, I guess they were going to encounter... Call it the Nutcracker. Oh, because it crushes the ghost. No, it's for walnuts. Smart. Huh. What is it? Did you get something? Yeah, I heard something really weird. What's Zool? I would have watched that movie in a millisecond. And it really annoys me that I'll never get a chance to see a second movie with this group of ladies in it. With this, like under this setting. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, who was your MVP for this movie? Um, it's a tie between uh, Chris Hemsworth and um, Kristen Wiig. I mean, sorry, Leslie Jones. Chris I got Leslie, Leslie Jones and Chris Hemsworth. I got Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. I'm sorry. I, I maybe if you saw the extended version, I don't know. I just thought that she was out of this world. I thought her one-liners were the best. Um, laughed all the way through them. Um, this movie. Let's see. They completely just disavowed it. The next movie that comes out, The Afterlife, has nothing to do with this movie. Um, I think it's related to the first two. It is. It is. Um, the first cut of this movie was four hours and 15 minutes long. Um. The reason why Chris Hemsworth ended up on the movie is because him and Paul Feige have the same agent. And that's how he got word that Hemsworth was interested. Dan Aykroyd had written a third movie. 
Uh, and he thought of having Elijah Dushku, uh, Anna Ferris, and Alyssa Milano as potential Ghostbusters in it. Anna Ferris would fit. I don't know about the other two. Yeah, me either. Anna Ferris can play that funny though from Scary Movie. As of July or as of January 2019, this movie hold or this film holds a YouTube record for a movie trailer with the most number of dislikes. Um it's just it's 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 this is wild like how much hatred hit this movie um Melissa McCarthy did win a people's choice award for favorite comedic uh movie actress for this movie yes, um, she was good she the film won a favorite movie at the 2017 kids choice awards beating blockbuster titles such as Rogue One and favorite movie actor and favorite movie actress Chris Hemsworth and Melissa McCarthy. Uh, plans for a sequel to this movie were abandoned after the film was not successful at the box office. And Paul Feige did not expect to um, hire Kate McKinnon for this until he read in an interview to one of her childhood dreams was to be a Ghostbuster. Oh, and the last thing is this film was released in 2016. If you're remembering Ghostbusters 2, one of the psychics on Peter's show said that the world was going to end on New Year's Day of the following year, which it almost did thanks to uh, Vigo. Um, mm -hmm. The other guest, however, she said February 2016. Yep. Is that when this came out? Yep. The film was released in 2016. Huh. So y'all can contact us on Twitter. Brandon is there. Is that cool? Black nerd. Black is spelled B-L-K. I am uh, Rashani. And the show is Hindsight Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. Um, you can leave a review on Podchaser, copy that, paste it in the Apple Podcast, copy that, and paste it into Good Pods. Thank you to everybody who's checked us out on Good Pods and on Podchaser. We appreciate both. Um, our email address is hindsight movie reviews. That's R E V U E S at gmail.com. Um, you can call us and leave a voicemail at 916 633 1537. I don't think I'm leaving anything out. Oh, you I can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. Uh, you can leave us a tip in the tip jar. Yeah, that's about it. Thank y'all so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. Peace. What? Brandon, you said peace. Look at you. Huh?
music for hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast.